This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. First of all, it's, it's when, the, when the lights come on, the freaks come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine. You're listening to the From the Pink Seats podcast, powered by the State of Louisville Network. All right, we are back for another episode of From the Pink Seats. I am Jacob Lane. He is Matt McGavick, and we are here to talk Louisville football. Matt, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good. It's, it looks like you're you're having a good day over there, doing a podcast outside. The birds are chirping. People are mowing their lawns. Like, if you're going to do a pod outside, this is the day to do it. It is. It's the first day in a long time. It's actually my first uh, outside podcast of the year. Last year, uh, when I really started to get into podcasting quite regularly, outside was a frequent uh, location for me to record. And it's been too hot, or for other reasons, outside has just not worked. But here we are. So you're right. Yeah. It's a great see, day. See, I wish I could do the same, but I, I live uh, in a complex downtown Louisville, and it's and downtown's always loud, whether it's cars honking, police sirens, kids yelling, or other people yelling. I feel like you could recruit some interesting guests just doing the show from your balcony or out in the lobby of your of your complex. <laughs> interesting would definitely be the, uh, the the key word here. Not good, not bad. Interesting. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we've got a pretty cool show that I'm excited about um, tonight as we get into some of the things that are going on with Louisville football. We'll, of course, start with the big three, our segment, uh, just looking at the biggest headlines around the Louisville football program relatively quiet couple of days and weeks here since we last uh, recorded but still nonetheless something to get into we're going to announce our giveaway winners tonight matt which i am extremely excited about i've got the bucket of you can't see it because of the zoom call going in and out <laughs> but i've got a uh unicorn a nice little pink unicorn bucket yeah unicorn, oh there we go rainbows llamas i've got our entries there ready to pull live on the air here shortly uh, as we announce the winner of our giveaway for the State of Louisville t-shirt and hat, uh, the Scott Satterfield cameo and the Lamar bourbon barrel, right? It's exciting. Good stuff. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see you win. Hopefully I win. <laughs> <laughs> you can't win. Uh, you've already asked me enough times. You cannot win, Matt. We've got to give this to somebody who is listening to the show. Uh, but we're also going to announce a new series. Uh, you know, if you've been listening from the beginning, we do this show kind of differently than maybe most podcasts. We'll do an episode here, episode there, and we'll speak. We'll spit out a, a series of four episodes or we'll spit out an, a series of six. And that's exactly what we're going to do. We've got uh, some exciting things here as we get closer to the football season 50 days out uh, from today, Matt. Isn't that crazy? 50 days, man. I feel like when you get 50, to 50 days on the nose, almost there halfway uh, from the start of the the uh, Cardinal Strong. Uh, yeah, countdown, so. 50 days until the season opener. I think 55 days until the home opener because that's basically two college football games in one week because the um, – yeah, the Ole Miss game on a Monday, and then that Saturday got the e- EKU game. I don't know it's EKU, but still, it's the home opener. Football is football. 
And it's going to be very exciting. I, I've actually got that circled on my calendar because I would imagine, uh, considering the fact that my wife and I are about to have our second child here in the uh, next 10 days, that I probably won't have a free night out, Matt, until that EKU game. So that is why that game is circled on my calendar. I've been telling everybody <laughs> I know, hey, we got to make sure we get tickets to go to the EKU game. I'm expecting an electric atmosphere. 7.30 game. I love nighttime games, even if it's bad opponents. Still a lot of fun. Uh, and then we're going to finish up the show talking about the depth chart. We've done this um, already with the quarterbacks and the running backs for Louisville. So now we'll specifically look at the wide receiver and tight end positions. And Matt, there is a little bit of uncertainty, you'd say, right? With at least the wide receiver position, maybe not tight end, but the wide receiver position, a lot of uncertainty there, wouldn't you say? Yeah, there is a, a tad bit of uncertainty. Well, actually, that'd be a little bit of an understatement considering you lose your top two options, two NFL caliber guys. Of course, there's going to be a lot of question marks and uncertainty there, but I'm kind of excited to see who all in the summer has started to separate themselves from the pack. And so when fall, by the time fall camp gets here, who's going to be that guy who's going to want to try and take initiative and get some of those like number one, maybe not number one receiver type reps, but try and establish themselves as the number one guy. Cause as it stands right now, and we'll get into this in a bit, but there is no true number one guy at this point. The, the, the people who could be considered number one guys are gone now. So like all those, all those reps and targets, those are all free games. Someone's got to take them. Yeah. What we discussed on the show today will be so subjective because once fall camp rolls around, that's when the real competition is going to obviously take place, get leading up to Ole Miss. So, uh, Gordon, uh, Gordon, it's just that kind of day. Gunner Brewer, Louisville wide receiver coach, my favorite line of the show so far. New Louisville wide receiver coach, Gordon Brewer. <laughs> when he said, get your programs uh, ready when talking about the Louisville wide receivers, it's going to certainly be a lot of new faces out there. So uh, a lot to get into there. All right, Matt, let's start with our segment, the big three, uh, and talk about the big headlines around Louisville football. Big, big. Big three. Yeah, 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 yeah. Big three. Come on. Yeah, yeah. All right, number yeah, one, we have yeah, yeah. global cornerback target Jordan Allen commits to Penn State. Now, this one was a little bit of a disappointment because for it seems like for the last few weeks, uh, there there were a couple schools in the mix: Louisville, Miami, Penn State. They were in the mix for Louisiana cornerback, uh, twenty-two cornerback Jordan Allen, and it seems like Louisville was the presumptive favorite or like the front runner at least and then it seemed that in the last few days leading up to it he was starting to trend towards Penn State and it just kept snowballing like there was some chatter that hey Penn State's starting to get themselves like truly in the mix in the last week before his, uh, he decided his commitment date and then a few a few days before and it's that momentum's really starting to snowball to the fact where Penn State became the front runner and then lo and behold commitment day comes along and he does in the, uh, choose Penn State. I wouldn't be concerned if this was an offshoot thing where this was just one target where they couldn't close on. There have been a string of recruitments that they haven't been able to pull off down the stretch. And this is just the last, last one. So I know uh, Marquarius White, the wide receiver, the speedy wide receiver who I was really hoping that Louisville would land just because who wouldn't want a, a wide receiver nicknamed Squirrel? He ended up being a two-horse race between Louisville and Tennessee. He ended up picking Tennessee. Now, there, there could have been – then you had offensive linemen well, – two, uh, two-way player offensive and defense, but he was being recruited as an offensive lineman. Bradley Mann. Uh, Louisville was, again, the presumptive front runner there. And then in the last week or so, started trending towards Pitt, and then he pulls the trigger for Pitt. With here, uh, Louisville only has one defensive commit in the class, and that's Popeye Williams. So there, there's – and there's no other 
you don't have to worry about the room or the class getting full at that point. And as it pertains on the defensive side of the ball, because at this point, there's almost all exclusively what they're going to be recruiting is, is the secondary. And to see the, the, the staff kind of let this one slip away again and have they're not really a built-in excuse for it, that's concerning. Yeah, yeah. I felt like this was a recruitment, I'll, I'll be quite frank with you, that I didn't know as much about. And and I don't know if that's because it always – He wasn't like, oh, as oh. outspoken. He, right. I'll give you that. Yeah, because he, he – he, he originally was going to take his, his normal allotted visits. He gave Louisville a visit. Then he gave Miami a visit. He was scheduled to go to Penn State, and then he ended up canceling that one. I, he really liked Miami. I was concerned about Miami, but then it seemed like Louisville still had a good in. It's very strange. It's a very strange uh, recruitment for all of those reasons and because it really did feel like, again, kind of what I've gathered from social media and people who do cover recruiting more closely, that it did seem like this was Louisville's recruitment. Like I saw people talking about the night before Louisville. This is the next commitment for Louisville. In fact, last week on uh, the From the Pink Seats uh, social media accounts, we asked who's the next commitment. And most people said Jordan Allen. So it seemed like Louisville kind of had that one in the bag to miss. And it just kind of continues a, a momentum of missing uh, and that kind of rolls us into our second and headline here from the state of louisville yeah big three scott satterfield uh confident in june recruiting and and uh earlier this week scott satterfield met with the media and he talked about the month of june and um it's worth talking about the fact that june was much bigger than the 25 guys who have visited from the 2022 class right. it was much bigger than that they they held camps they hosted local guy local guys in, in, from the 23 and 24 classes that you saw they were tossing out scholarships left and right at exactly, these camps right. and whatnot exactly they really were getting doing their due diligence as a staff to see these players in person getting to know them so it's much bigger than just the 25 guys but scott setterfield was very confident he said the month of june was outstanding for us not not just okay not good not great he really went out of his way here to pull out one of his good old sat adjectives uh he said we hosted a lot of great recruits and a lot of great families it was the, the busiest june i've ever been a part of i think probably too uh so far the fact that nobody's been on campus for a year year and a half and everybody's anxious to get on campus to be able to see them once you get the doors open they were all there then the fact that the potential camps is a chance for official visits all those things blah 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 basically recruiting jargon recruiting jargon recruiting jargon <laughs> overall the bottom line there is Scott Satterfield essentially said that they feel comfortable with the effort and the results that they got back from the month of June. Now, I will say they they added four guys to the class. Debate about where those guys are, what their rankings are. They are now all officially three-star guys, which I think is worth pointing out here to the to the crowd that really worries about that. You know, you you've got to be you've got to agree, Matt, that June was slightly disappointing. Yeah, I'd say it was a little bit of an underwhelming month because the way that the momentum was building, I thought they were going to get guys like a Marquarius Light, like a Jordan Allen, maybe being a little bit banner, a better standing for other guys like Stone Blanton or even the offensive tackle Dane Shore. I don't know how that one that one specifically panned out, but. When, when the month began, at least the first half of the month, when they were starting to get a lot of guys in for official visits, started to get their two, at the time, two commits in for official visits, I, I, I truly thought they are going to do a little bit more. Now, I've said on the podcast before how I thought most of the guys that Louisville has as verbal commits at this point are probably better than what their recruiting profile says. But that being said, I really thought they are going to do a little bit more at this point. Things look so optimistic, I think is an easy way to put it, looking at, at what the board was entering 
considering the month of June, considering that you have all these four star guys, top three, four hundred, and now Louisville probably doesn't land any of them. So for the crowd that you know really wants to criticize Satterfield, it's a it's certainly an an open door to do that. Satterfield did say in his press conference to kind of wrap things up here that there's a lot of time. Uh, that there's going to be a lot of change in recruiting over the next couple of months. And and as I wrote in my piece on the state of Louisville, just win. It, it opens the door to so many different things. Headline three, Matt. Yeah, big three. Headline number three, Satterfield optimistic regarding Louisville's play in the trenches. Now, I think Louisville fans can uh, can attest to the fact that their kind of offensive line and defensive line play was uh, a, a little bit subpar, to say the least. On the offensive side of things, they allowed almost three sacks a game and allowed just over – eight tackles per loss per game. And then, and on the flip side of things, defense only could muster two sacks and 5.7 tackles per loss. So, I mean, in, in all regards, they're playing like in the trenches on the line of scrimmage, being able to both resist pressure on offense and generate pressure on defense was not exactly great, but it seems like a uh, Satterfield starting to sing a different tune. You know, he's he, this, is, we know where it all starts in the trenches. To me, it's going to be the best we've been since we've been here on both sides. I know this is probably coach speak, it really is, but I, I actually kind of believe him because uh, this this year the coaching staff has said multiple times how they they think they're comfortable with using eight maybe nine guys, giving them comfort uh, meaningful playing time in games, and a lot of these guys are position versatile, uh, partially stemming from having to cross train last season because of the COVID nineteen pandemic. So I know they probably didn't have like the long game thinking about when they first crossed started cross-training these guys but now that they have and they're continuing to do so and not only building with the depth and the versatility i think the offensive line could be one of the better positional groups for louisville in 2021 and on the flip side of things yeah there's still a little bit of a question mark on if the defensive line is going to be able to generate the necessary pressure in order to make the defense more complete but they are definitely aided by the fact that they've brought in a lot of guys up front and brought in the five freshmen, including Ashton Gelati, the defensive end, which the coaching staff absolutely raves about. And I remember hearing from Phil Steele and his coaching, his college football uh, preview piece, AKA the college football preview Bible, as I like to call it, because it's just a wealth of knowledge. He actually has Ashton starting day one. So maybe he's hearing something from Satterfield that maybe not a lot of other guys are hearing. We'll see if, if maybe we could be in for a couple starting freshmen on day one. Whenever they brought in Jacques Turner over from Southern Miss, that was one of the bigger question marks on the entire roster throughout the summer. So they're at least trying to get that addressed. So on both sides of the line of scrimmage, I actually do believe Satterfield when he says that the play in the trenches is going to be much better than in the past two years. I think they're going to be better on both sides. I think that they're the best they've been on both sides. They're going to be the most talented, the most versatile, the deepest, all of those things. But it comes down to one thing, and it's execution. They didn't execute on either side of the ball uh, at the level needed to be a top-tier ACC school. And if they do that this year, they're going to be really good. And if they don't, they're going to be the same as they were last year, maybe slightly better. So that's what it comes down to. All right, we are out of the big three. Matt, it is the – Maybe the most exciting thing we've done on the podcast this far is uh, come up with some some cool items that are Louisville-centric to get uh, kind of fans excited about Louisville football season coming up. And we're going to announce the giveaway winners. I'm excited about this. What do you let's think? Announce, let's announce some prices. I, I'm excited to see who wins what. 
Okay, so for those of you who are tuned in for the first time, don't know what we're talking about over the last month, uh, we've teamed up with Made by Jay Lane and T-Shirt Hooligan to give away a couple of prizes, one of which being a, a bourbon barrel with some custom Lamar Jackson art on it with the leap back from uh, his Heisman season at Louisville, and then a Scott Satterfield cameo, and, and then we're giving away some State of Louisville gear. Matt, you are drawing the winner for our T-Shirt. Why don't you go ahead and do that? And we're going to actually draw this right here. We're going to figure this out as we go. I've got the bucket. It's got unicorns on it. Got llamas, <laughs> plants. Matt, you've got just something weird over there. Draw uh, and give us our winner here. What do we got? All right, we got and drum roll, please. Dylan Graves, you have won the State of Louisville T-shirt. Congrats, Dylan. And we will talk about winners and how to get all those things here at the end of the segment. Uh, but let's move on to our next one. This is an exciting prize, the Scott Satterfield cameo. Let me, got to get my, I got to rummage through the, the bucket here, make sure that it's really good, that I get them all equally. Uh, I, I can out. attest that Jacob is not looking into the bucket and he's just swirling around that pretty unicorn bucket. All right, and our winner for the Scott Satterfield cameo is Samson. It's on Twitter at LouCards82. So Samson is our winner for the Scott Satterfield cameo. Exciting. Congrats, Samson. All right. The time has come. We now will draw the winner here, Matt, for our grand prize. The bourbon barrel head by our good friends at Made by Jay Lane. And here we go. Beautiful right. barrel, by the way. It is. It absolutely is. I wish I could keep it in my house. And our <laughs> winner is Joey Hectus at Jay Hectus. So Joey is the winner of our bourbon barrel a uh, piece of art from Made by Jay Lane. Samson is our winner of the Scott Satterfield cameo. And Dylan and is Dylan. the winner of the t-shirt. So we have got our winners there. Some exciting stuff. You're like and Oprah. You get a prize. You get a prize. You get a prize. <laughs> That's what we want to be. We want to we want to give away some cool <laughs> stuff, get people excited. So we will uh, we will obviously be reaching out over the next uh, couple of days here and giving you some details on how to claim those prizes. All right, Matt, let's move into one more thing here before we uh, dive into the depth chart. We've got something exciting coming up. We've been working on this for the last couple of weeks. You know, and to not talk about it too much, because I want you to go ahead and intro this. This is unique. I, don't, I can't remember many other publications or podcasts doing something to try and quell people over until the start of the season. Yeah, exactly. That's what we wanted to do here is we kind of try to think through, all right, what, what is out there? There's so much, you know, previews of depth charts and previews of lists and, and all these preseason accolades. And obviously we got media day coming up. There's a lot of stuff out there and there's a lot of great coverage of those things. But what we wanted to do here is we wanted to dive into some of the biggest games of the season for Louisville football um, in 2021, because it is such a really good schedule. I, I know that there's a lot of teams on there that we see every year, Matt, but isn't it, doesn't it feel like a good mix of teams away home where the games are atmosphere where in the season, like it kind of is just set up to be a really fun season. Would you not agree? Yeah. Th there's a lot of exciting teams out there from UCF. I mean, it's always nice to, Post Florida State. Yeah, exactly. I was just about to say, I was going to plug your Instagram here over for the Louisville Report. I saw you posting on your stories, just kind of getting people excited about the season, asking them what their favorite games were. Made an Instagram, and uh, at, that's the social media that I use the least. And I uh, Anything for the clicks, right? Anything for oh, the clicks, yeah. Matt. <laughs> Without being a complete sellout. <laughs> we are going to have six preview episodes, six games that Matt and I have picked out as being the, the most important or the most intriguing games 
games of the season. We'll kind of discuss that in each of these episodes, but we would be doing no justice trying to talk about Ole Miss, Kentucky football. We're going to go out into the world and find the experts. So for, for each episode with each opponent, we're going to sit down with a beat writer, with a podcast host, with a website editor um, from the, each team, and we're just going to have a, a conversation about – where that team is and what the offseason has been like, what the, the season coming up is going to be like, and then taking an early look at these games. It's very hard to do that, obviously, Matt, with eight, nine, ten weeks before we play those games. But I think at the way that that we've set some of these questions up and the way that we've kind of talked about these is it really just gives you just an overarching preview of storylines and exciting things to kind of consider. Uh, and it'll help kind of educate fans of both teams. Hopefully, you know, we'll have some Central Florida fans, some Ole Miss fans, but just to kind of get excited about some of these games on the schedule that maybe fans aren't as uh, aware of team-wise or don't keep up with. Oh, absolutely. And we've already recorded a few of these episodes. I know we've recorded the one with Kentucky, the one with Central Florida. Long story short, we've already started to dive into it. And I tell you what, it's been fun because I know it's already fun just to talk talk shop with you, but adding someone into the mix who actually knows what the hell they're talking about when it comes to the team we're previewing, it, it, it definitely opens up your mind to what to expect during the game. And you're exactly right, man. You go into it, you see these these games on paper when the schedule is releasing, you're like, that's a win, that's a win, that's a loss. And, and you just come to these quick conclusions and we can convince ourselves of one thing and have these preconceived notions of what an opponent will look like. So we're here to dive into that with each of these uh, beat writers, podcasters, just content creators. And they're all such great people who know so much about their program. So it's been a lot of fun to talk football um, and really look at this schedule for the first time since we've been together as podcast hosts. So we're excited about that. We are going to be releasing those throughout the month of August. We'll sprinkle in some some shows as we can. It's going to be an interesting month for both of us. Matt, you're going to be covering the team media day, the kickoff luncheons, all the exciting things with football. I'm going to be taking care of a screaming newborn, hopefully who will be sleeping. So we have <laughs> we have our work cut out for us uh, for different reasons, but we're going to give the fans what they want, some content that's different, looking at some different things, whether you're really into football or you're Any, a casual fan. Anyone and stuff. everyone can enjoy it. Yeah, whether you're a diehard like college football junkie or someone who's like a very casual fan of the sport like everyone can enjoy it absolutely so all right matt let's transition what are your thoughts on writing about the depth chart does it get you jazzed it depends on the position i'm writing about i mean it's it's a little bit difficult to figure out depth charts for offensive linemen just because it was especially difficult this past year because we couldn't really be there we couldn't really see these guys in action just because of covid and whatnot so it's a little bit more difficult you kind of had to based exclusively off of what coaches were telling you and just kind of figuring out who was going to be starting where based on movement and who was leaving, who was transferring, who was transferring out and all that stuff. So it is a little bit harder than normal, but more often than not, yeah, depth chart pieces are really fun to write just because you, you get to have a glimpse of what the team is going to be like next year and start speculation as to how good or bad they can be. If you don't listen to Matt, talk about the depth chart and hear joy <laughs> and love. I you're you're not listening to the right show. That, that's just amazing. The the love you have for depth chart pieces, Matt. I totally see you just smiling it up as you do your research and get your stats well, together. I, I love that. Right about man. the third string left tackle. Uh, Jacob, I wrote an entire piece about walk-ons. Yes, I like depth charts pieces. <laughs> All right, let's look at the pass catchers. We've already uh, talked about the quarterback position and the running back position so far uh, in our depth chart preview for 2021, Matt. But let's look specifically today at wide receiver and tight end. Uh, this is a really interesting one for a number of reasons. 
most specifically, uh, as Gunnar Brewer told us, it's a it's a tall task to replace the talent that they had from last year, as they obviously lose Des Fitzpatrick and Tutu Atwell to the NFL. So this year, uh, Matt, we're going to see two, maybe even three brand new starters um, out there, and that's got to you know bring excitement, but also you know bring up some big questions. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Considering you've lost over half of your wide receiver production. I mean, those reps are now there and available for everyone on the roster. And there's not really a quote unquote go-to guy yet. If there was any go-to guy on offense at all, it'd be Marshawn Ford, the tight end, which as good as Marshawn Ford is, I mean, he's one of the more underrated tight ends in in all of FPS. It's a little bit scary knowing that that's your best option, your best known option as of now, but on the other side of that coin, there's plenty of potential. Louisville's wide receiver core could very well be tremendous in 2021. We just don't know it yet. It's one of those situations that it it, it brings up um, remnants of the Bobby Petrino. We're going to be better off with Juwan Pass versus Lamar Jackson because we're going to be more collective as a team, right? I think that that's obviously like not what they're doing here, but that's kind of like what you think of when you're replacing two top guys. Is it that you're going to have guys slide right into that and become that level of production or near it? Or is this going to truly be a, a by committee type of effort? And it's pretty easy to talk yourselves into Louisville being just as good, if not better, because of the amount of talent they have on the roster if that's the case, obviously we don't know at this point, we'll find out, but Matt, let's specifically look at the starters at wide receiver. Um, Tell me who you've got in those three spots and um, not only, you know, what you're expecting from them, but what will be a little bit different than what Louisville did last year because of it. So I I wish I had different starters that you have written on our uh, prep sheet, (laughs) looking at starters and backups go based on what I previously wrote back, I believe in May. It's literally the same exact you, so it's not like we're going to get a lot of debate here, but I'll, I'll go a little bit more and in, in further in uh, at X as X receiver, which would be like the guy out wide, Justin Marshall. Now with Tutu Atwell and Desmond Patrick moving on to the next level, he was the number three guy last season. And now he's pretty much, I don't know if he's going to get elevated to the number one guy, the number one, the number one wide receiver, excuse me. But I think he, he's definitely still going to be a starter, especially out wide, because he's a bigger body guy, 6'3", 213. What's interesting there, behind him, both you and I have Tyler Harrell at X receiver. He's a little bit smaller. He's 6'0", 194. But from everything we've heard from the coaching staff, this dude's got just absolutely blazing speed especially for someone who's lined up out wide. Now, when you think of a guy with blazing speed who's an outside the numbers type of receiver, you think maybe a, a 4 4 somewhere in that line, maybe a little bit faster. But this guy, Tyler Harrell, Satterfield, and I can't remember, a couple, someone else mentioned it too. He was hand-timed at running a 4-1-7, like between a 4-1-7 and a 4-2-3. I mean – that's insane. That's, that's insane, especially for someone who's 6'0 and approaching 200 pounds. So I, I'm, I don't know if this is all coach speak or just pure hype, but it seems like a lot of players around the program seem to agree with this notion that, yeah, he was seen this, 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 this happened. He was clocked at that fast. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. I don't know how much they're going to use him, but it seems like he's going to be He's fitting to be able to take a bigger role next season, especially with Christian Fitzpatrick's transferring out to Michigan State. 
So I, I thought he was going to have a much bigger role this upcoming season, but obviously that's not going to happen anymore. I did um, too. And I, I was going to say before you, you, you're going to talk about Demetrius Cannon. I, I thought, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of talent there, but I thought just listening to the coaches talk about him, he doesn't quite seem ready to be somebody that's going to see the field this year. Right. Would you tend to yeah. agree with that? Yeah. No, I, I would see that he probably needs an additional year. Um, now that's not to say that he could see time because he, he very well could, because, this wide receiver room has got a lot of unproven depth. They're, they're, they've got guys, but not a lot of guys with significant playing time. So you you really don't know who's going to be like the breakout guy. If there's anyone who's, who could have a quote-unquote breakout year, I think it probably could be Braden Smith because he showed the most flashes of brilliance last year. But you never know. Hell, it could be Shy Words who's never taken – who hasn't taken a wide receiver snap since high school. But for all intents and purposes, the like coaches have told us in the media that he's handling his transition from quarterback at Georgia Southern to power five wide receiver quite nicely. He could very well make a solid impact there. Now, I know I'm kind of jumping ahead talking about the slot receiver, but it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because it's probably one of the more unproven individual spots, probably followed up by the uh, the z receiver spot because i know jordan watkins at z he had what one reception last year and had one rush for a touchdown i i, I didn't have the stats in front of me but he he doesn't have a lot of exposure yeah. and right. then right behind jordan watkins i have josh johnson who's hardly had any time so there's a lot of guys who are either budding receivers or haven't had a lot of significant exposure at this point in his college career, but there, there is potential. There is a load of potential. It's just, we're not sure what this potential is going to turn into like on the gridiron. Sure. So in a roundabout way, you've got Justin Marshall, Braden Smith and Jordan Watkins as do I, I think that that is, I think that would be the consensus if we pulled, you know, 15,000 fans, Louisville fans who know enough about football to tell us the depth chart of wide receiver. Like, I think those are the three guys that get spit out 90% of the time. Uh, where I'm interested really is to see what happens behind them. And Matt, to be honest with you, man, um, I, I don't think it's crazy to say, I see a scenario where day one, Tyler Harrell is not is a starter. I, like, that's the one position of wide receiver where I went back and forth on saying, you know, is, is this the guy that could be the starter? But I don't know how Louisville does um, – things if, if you've got Jordan Watkins and Tyler Harrell as your two outside receivers you're you're you know you don't have a ton of size out there Justin Marshall kind of brings that physical presence but we've seen him I don't want to know I don't want to say it's underachieving I don't think that'd be fair to him but we just haven't seen him produce consistently um, and we've seen him kind of uh, you know played with around whether there'd be other people getting snaps him not being consistent enough to be out there every play and so it wouldn't shock me if we don't see somebody else develop into that starting role like a Tyler Harrell uh, and then the other one to kind of watch is Amari Huggins Bruce I you know we talked a little bit about Demetrius Cannon but you know there's every time they talk about Amari, Amari Huggins Bruce we hear potential we hear speed we hear he needs to be in the weight room um, and so, you know, you might see him out there in some, some situational type deals, but, um, it, you know, do you think he has enough to develop into being a starter by the end of year one? I, you know, I don't know if we've seen enough yet to kind of draw that conclusion, but I could see a scenario where he does and where he doesn't. Yeah. I, I can see a scenario where he's used in more packages towards the end of the season, but is it to the point where he becomes a starter? Uh, probably not. It, it depends on how the, our presumptive starters perform now. 
I'm hoping that Jordan Watkins is able to take as big of a jump as we all think he's going to. I mean, we saw what Braden Smith can do. I mean, he, he looked like he was going to be a thousand yard receiver based on the first two games that we saw. And then the offense kind of devolved to just force feeding the ball to two, two. So now that, now that he's gone and I, and I hate to circle back to the notion that X has gone. So such and such is going to be better, but now that Louisville does not have a wide receiver that they are designing the play to force feed to, I think it will force the coaching staff to approach this with a more to spread the ball out more and not just rely on such and such target. Will that translate into a better passing game? I don't think so, but I think it'll translate into a more consistent passing game. And that's really what you want because last year, I mean, obviously, you know, Louisville was still a very high powered offense, but it was just at times it was so boom or bust because of that reason you mentioned, you're going to Tutu Alla, you're force-feeding Des Fitzpatrick. became pretty easy for defenses to know, okay, uh, Josh Johnson is out on the field. He's likely not getting the ball, so we don't really have to put much attention to him. I mean, hell, Braden Smith caught 103 yards in the first half of the game against Western Kentucky and only finished with 370 yards and no touchdowns. So uh, we saw last year that there wasn't much spreading the ball out. It was really, you know, 46 receptions to Tutu Atwell, 43 for Des Fitzpatrick. Um, so it'll be interesting to see kind of how they divvy that up. I, I do think that by committee, they're stronger this year um, s- simply because there's just more options top to bottom, but there's also so much unproven that I, I could really see, you know, you, you could convince me that uh, Louisville's offense is good next season, but their biggest downfall is they just don't have anybody who can consistently make plays outside. You know what I'm saying? Like I could see that right. being a, a big downfall for Louisville's offense. And it's just crazy to, kind of say that because for the last five years matt we've we've always had consistent wide receivers there's been jalen smith there's been um des fitzpatrick there's been jamari staples there's been james quick like we've kind of always known who was going to be the guy and here we don't have that there there really is no no guy that you could point to and say he is the true number one I think someone will start to develop more consistency. Maybe maybe not to the point where he turns into the bona fide number one, but I think someone will develop consistency to the point where he gets the majority. Maybe the majority is the wrong word. The most snaps. I think for like the first half of the season, the targets will probably be relatively well distributed. But I think in the back half, I would hope that someone on the roster will start to develop a repertoire with Malik Cunningham to the point where he can start to think that, okay, this is situ- we're facing this in this situation. I can rely on so-and-so to maybe be open in at this point. I would hope so. Here's a unique advantage that Louisville will have specifically at wide receiver, at least going into game one, Matt, how much film is out there on these guys? Like Ole Miss is going to go to put the tape on and be like, who are these kids? Like there's no nope. tape of, there's no, there's very limited Tyler Harrell tape. There's very limited Braden Smith film. You're not going to get any Shea Wirtz at wide receiver film to break down and study. Josh Johnson last year fooled an entire stadium filled with, you know, 25 or, you know, 15,000 people, 8,000 people, whatever it was, you know, that, terribly uh, off base with number there, but he was number zero. Louisville had no idea. We, we didn't know who he was. So think about, God, uh, I remember that. That was, that was such a struggle trying to figure out who the hell was on the field wearing number zero. And we just could not figure it out. Right. Exactly. And so you Louisville's going to go into that game, having the ability to do some unique things that Ole Miss is not going to have seen on film because they simply just, there's nothing on Jordan Watkins. There's nothing on, on Tyler Harrell. So you have an opportunity here to really do some unique things. That's kind of exciting. 
but speaking of kind of the go-to target, let's talk about the tight end position here because um, for the first time really since Cole Hickettini maybe, Louisville's got a dynamic pass-catching tight end who, quite frankly, Matt, could be the team's top receiver next year in Marshawn Ford, uh, the clear-cut favorite and likely to be the starter, not likely, will be the starter at half at the H-back spot and probably will see a little bit of time up on the line at that tight end spot. Oh, absolutely. I think he's got very, very real first-team All-ACC potential. I'm not going to go as far as say he's got All-American potential because I don't think he's that good. But he, he's still one, of, like I've said earlier in another episode, he's one of the more underrated tight ends of all of FPS football. I mean, he he can catch. He can catch really well. He's very good in the red zone. And over the last season and a half, he's really come around in the blocking game. So, like you said, yeah, he's going to be more so as an H-back coming out of the backfield. But if you absolutely have to, I mean, I think you can probably trust Marshawn Ford and his blocking abilities to be able to line him up out of the tight end spot, especially now that Ian Pfeiffer's gone. Yeah, and the question mark on the depth chart then goes to that spot that is left vacant by Ian Pfeiffer, uh, and that is the more offensive line-oriented blocking tight end spot for Louisville. Um, And what I I see is uh, just a seamless kind of transition to Francis Sherman who obviously doesn't come with any name recognition. The average person is not going to know who that is, but he caught a touchdown late in the season last year and really showed potential as being a guy who can block uh, and do so at a level very similar to Pfeiffer. No, I agree. This is definitely some, a, a point on the depth chart that was a little bit more difficult to kind of determine who was going to start it because, I mean, Des Melton and Francis Sherman aren't exactly like high production type of guys. I mean, they do well in the blocking game, obviously, because that's what they're tasked to do. But beyond that, it's kind of hard to figure out who's going to like take the reins as a starter because neither have like a ton of reps. I know you have Des, uh, Francis Sherman as the starter and Des Melton as the backup. But unlike the wide receivers, I actually have it backwards. I am I went with Des Melton to start, but that was mainly because he's got a, an extra year of experience in the system. I know they're both retro freshmen, but Des Melton is technically a retro sophomore because of the COVID year and whatnot. But so I think because of his, his more f- increased familiarity with the system, he might get the starting nod. But I would not be shocked at all if Francis Sherman was Francis Sherman, good grief, was given the starting if he was given the starting nod because anytime they talk about the tight end room, obviously the conversation starts with Marshall Ford. But anytime Francis Sherman was brought up Scott Satterfield just had nothing but rave reviews about his workmanlike effort and Stu Holt loves the kid so considering we're in the dog days of summer and this is when you get all your offseason workouts in and whatnot it's not out of the realm of possibility to have him just go like come turn into a complete animal during this time and then by the time fall camp gets here he's turned into the clear-cut favorite to be the starter at tight end yeah, I, I think a, the big thing with this position is going to be what the, you know, kind of role is. Is it obviously it's a blocking focus tight end, but it, do you see the need, I guess, for the position to be more of a downfield threat or become more of a passing game target? Not sure how much Francis Sherman really helps you in the passing game compared to Des Melton, who coming out of Arizona where he was a you know three-star recruit a couple of years ago was uh, was a guy who was um, talked about because of his speed and because of the things that he did at tight end, his athleticism, um, the ability, he was raw, but the ability to make plays over the field, um, you know, I, I think that it becomes, can he block? Okay. 
but what's the next layer? Do we need a, a pass catcher or do we just need a blocker? That'll kind of determine how that role goes. But Matt, here's the, the, the wrench in this plan. And I think we're going to see this more so this season than we did last year. And definitely more than we did in 2019. We're a freshman that we're not really kind of keeping an eye on or talking a lot about develops the the niche or de- finds a skill that gets them on the field. And for me, the guy that I keep coming back to is Christian Peterson. He is tailor-made for this offense. And I don't, I, I don't see it to be shocking of any kind if him or Vic Mullins, another one of the three-star tight ends, sees the field this year um, and becomes the starter by the season's end. No, I, I don't disagree with that. I think out of all the fr- uh, incoming freshmen that have the most likelihood of seeing the field, I would probably go with – Ben Perry at either linebacker or safety because of the, his versatility. I would say maybe Amari Huggins Brewett because of his his explosiveness, versatility, and just overall electricity out of the wide receiver spot. And if if Phil Steele is to believe, maybe even Ashton Jelani because whenever going over his um his college football preseason review, uh, he has got the starting defensive ends as Yaya Diaby and Ashton Jelani. And, you know, it's not like he just kind of pulls this out of thin air. He talks to every single one of these coaches. So he he knows he has some insight. So him having Ashton Jelani as a starter, that kind of raised my eyebrows a little bit. But point being, I it wouldn't shock me to see Christian Peterson or Vic Mullen see the field. Would they be the first freshman to see the field? Probably not. But it wouldn't uh, surprise me to see in the back half of the field that they're more utilized, especially in the blocking game, because both the guys are pretty good blockers and they're just developed enough from what I saw in high school in the passing game that they, they could make some noise, especially Peterson. Yeah. And I, and I, I totally agree with you. Like, I'm not saying that these two guys are the star freshmen out of the class, but I'm just saying like, I think that you don't have to be a star in the class to, do one thing really well that will get you on the field. And I, 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 I'm saying like the, the wrinkle that they have could potentially help them get some more playing time because just because Des Melton has been here longer doesn't necessarily mean that he's the best fit for on the field for what this team will do. So I think that'll be something interesting to watch. And then the H back uh, part of the, the, of things we saw, obviously Marshawn Ford, um, really develop into that lead guy. We've talked about him um, a lot on this show very well could be Malik Cunningham's number one target. And uh, if that's the case, we'll obviously see him a lot more in the passing game. Um, and no one says this ever except for us, because this is a podcast that talks about global football in detail. That is probably far past what people care for. But like <laughs> Dwayne, I've watched Dwayne Martin play a little bit at the end of last year. And I'm like, I want that kid on the field so much more. He is like an old school 1990s fullback who's the size of With a the neck rolls and whatnot lineman and a neck roll. He wore the neck roll, man. Like if you got a fullback out there wearing a neck roll, just laying dudes out, you're in good hands. And he got on the field last year um, and not to go into too much backstory, but he was a kid who played linebacker in high school, decommitted from Eastern Carolina, chose a Louisville. And everybody was like, who in the hell is this kid? And then last year in the final two games, when he was on the field a bunch after Marshawn Ford got hurt, I was like, I want more. I want more of this guy laying fools out in these jet sweeps. Like we need more of it in the goal line situations. He's pushing dudes from the two yard line all the way into the back of the end zone. That's the kind of guy I want to see in our running game. And I'm excited about him probably far more than I should be, but it's exciting when you got a dude who's just mauling. You sound like someone who liked to see the fridge lined up at the full back position 
let's bring the the old school fullback back. Like Louisville's offense totally could be the offense that does that. You've got a guy out there who's athletic and nimble, can make plays on third down, get him the ball, and then some out passes. But he also can go out there and just put somebody on their ass 20 yards down the field. You'd fit in so nicely with the Wisconsin fan base. What are you saying, Matt? Is that, is that, it, a, is that it, a stereotype it, you're making here? I, I know that I say that because, because I'm buddies with the guy who writes for Wisconsin in the Rivals Network, and he loves, 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 loves talking about the fullback position. Yeah, I mean, I've never been called uh, or compared to a Wisconsin <laughs> fan member, but sure, on this show, I'll take it because of the fact that uh, Dwayne Martin's going to be good. I don't know. Isaac Martin will probably be the guy that gets more snaps there just because he, you know, you talk about that experience factor. Um, you talk about a guy that, again, plays the role of a fullback, looks like a fullback. I'm excited about any of them if they're blocking. But Dwayne Martin just seems like I think that he could really um, elevate the run game long term. I, I would hope so because it seems like Louisville's got a solid amount of blockers, and I think he would be the guy to lead the charge. But I, I think a lot more people are going to be able to step up in that spot. I would hope so, at least, based on the the guys that Satterfield has brought in the last cycle. All right, let's finish on this, Matt. We'll close out this wide receiver, tight end, pass catcher group uh, of the depth chart. Let me ask you this, Matt. Let's make our predictions here, and we can we can come back and look at this at the end of the season. Who, in your opinion, is the leading receiver in 2020 uh, yardage-wise? Braden Smith. Braden Smith, okay. And who, in your opinion, Matt, is going to be the leader in touchdowns uh, for Louisville this season? Um, damn. I would say probably Jordan Watkins because I think they, they'll probably go to Braden Smith more so for home run plays. And once they get into plus territory and close to the red zone, they'll maybe use Jordan Watkins and his skill set a lot more. I like it. I, I like it. I would go in terms of who I think yardage wise will be the leading receiver this year. It's a really tough one. I, everything in me wants to say that Braden Smith is going to be that guy, uh, but I'm actually going to go with Jordan Watkins. I think we're going to see um, him become, if not the number one receiver, uh, the number two receiver in terms of impact on the field. I think that he won't be in a thousand yard receiver, but I see him ending somewhere in that 650 to 800 range i think that he'll be the leader with that uh, and in touchdowns you know he did it his freshman or not his freshman season but his sophomore season uh, led the acc in touchdowns for a tight end i think last season had he not gotten hurt his numbers would have been better marshawn ford will be the leader in touchdowns this year i think he hits double digits i think oh. it's a 10 plus season for him. <laughs> oh i made my pick based on just the start of the wide receiver room oh i i think marshawn ford will absolutely lead the team the uh, team in receiving touchdowns when talking about all pass catchers which is what the episode is, Matt. Come on, you got to stay in tune here. It's on the sheet. We're talking about it. I thought you just were reading my mind and would assume. And now we have this cool <laughs> new artwork. We should be reading each other's minds a little bit more telepathically here. We encourage you to subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, make sure you check out the State of Louisville YouTube channel and subscribe over there. And then, as always, give us a follow on Twitter. Stay in tune with the show, new episodes, things that are happening at Pink Seats. And then, as always, the last plug of the show, just like I do every time, Matt. Make sure you check out Matt on Twitter at General Wasp at Louisville on SI. You can follow me at Jacob Lane 08. We appreciate it. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine. 
but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.